Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. From the Great Gatsby, to Monsters, Inc., to The Godfather, typography has a significant role to play in film. From typefaces on movie posters through to rolling the end credits and everything in between, today's episode takes a scene out of the world of typography on the big screen, or your screen at home for the time being. <laughs> There's a lot to learn about typography by examining it through the entertaining and very relevant lens of fonts in film. When recently watching the Helvetica documentary, and how on earth did I only just see it in 2020? I'm not sure. But one of the best ideas that I took away from the film had nothing much to do with Helvetica at all. It has to do with the idea that designers play the role of casting director. They select actors, typefaces, for roles to convey the core message and help with storytelling in a project literally giving a whole new meaning to the term typecast. The typographic voice helps represent a brand, a message, an idea, with a sort of subliminal prompting. For example, by applying two different typefaces to the same message, a grunge font and Helvetica, for example, the designer wants that message to be perceived in very different ways. Type designer Tobias Frere Jones likens using the wrong typeface in a project to casting the wrong actor in a role. Ultimately, it'll affect your experience. You'll still follow the plot, but it will be less convincing and you will be less affected by the production overall. Taking this typecasting role one step further and in a more literal sense, I thought it would be fun to examine type in film. Today's episode looks at the ways in which typographic typecasting choices can affect the success of films. First, let's have a look at some incredible examples of type in film, and then let's break down the concept of kinetic or moving typography into its four key components to better understand why it works so well. Fonts in film. There are so many excellent examples of type used in film that it's actually very tricky to narrow it down to just a couple of examples, but here I go. The three movies that I've chosen exist in three different genres and really couldn't be more different from one another, which is also why I love them as examples. It shows the breadth and the depth of the ways in which typography can and have been used in film. So from indie films to some of the highest grossing films with the biggest actors and directors on the planet, 
Type in film adds another layer to the story, helping to build emotion, helping to make scenes more memorable through their creative use of words on screen, and ultimately, they help to tell a stronger story. First up is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. This is one of my favorite movies for a number of reasons, including the fact that it unapologetically features Toronto throughout the film, and it also stars my favorite Brampton-born awkward teen star, Michael Sarah. This movie is based on a series of graphic novels by the same name by Brian Lee O'Malley. There's this video game quality to the entire film, and typography is used in nearly every scene to visualize movement and sound effects, to help showcase the evolution of time, forward movement, and speed, and to communicate to the audience who's winning and who's losing during some really epic battles. It's really well done. The trailer for the film is riddled with ridiculously good examples of the variety of type used throughout the film, and I encourage you to check it out now in the show notes at talkpaperscissors.info. Typography in this film was not merely an afterthought. It's completely integrated into the movie. It helps establish the film's brand and differentiate it from other films in the category, And it helps to tell the story in new ways, which is arguably the most important part. Another excellent example, and our second example, is Catch Me If You Can. Big Shot, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Tom Hanks star in this Steven Spielberg-directed film based on a screenplay by Jeff Nathanson. The mid-century modern title sequence is where the film's typography shines. The illustrations were created by Nexus Productions, and they feature tall, monochromatic characters moving along throughout their daily lives while the names of key people peel in and out of the shot. Long ascenders and descenders extend from the names, and they're set in sans-serif Cool Vedica, a typeface that was only four years young when the film was released. A secondary slab serif face was used, called Archive Antique Extended, to juxtapose Coolvetica. Naysayers have voiced their disapproval of the use of Coolvetica in this title sequence, as it's an amended version of Helvetica, intended for use as a display face, designed by Ray Larby, who actually started uh, a company called Typodermic Fonts in 2001 in Canada, so it has a Canadian connection. Some have said that using this New Age reboot font doesn't feel appropriate for a film set in Helvetica's heyday. Perhaps Helvetica, or maybe just a completely different face more true to the mid-century modern time of the story, would have been a better choice. And finally, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there was Star Wars. The iconic franchise, now owned by Disney, created the opening crawl-type sequence with text disappearing into a vanishing point in the galaxy that has been described as being as iconic as movies themselves. A typographer by the name of Dan Perry is the person behind the scrolling yellow letters, and he's brought type to life in an incredible 400 films in the last 40 years. This guy knows what he's talking about. As The Independent reports, 
George Lucas asked Perry to study serials from the 1930s and 1940s, such as Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, for inspiration for the first Star Wars film. But it was the 1939 film Union Pacific, about building a railroad across America, that gave him the inspiration he needed. In this film, text is seen crawling along a railroad track in a very similar fashion to the final Star Wars crawl. So this is not only a story of great typography, but also a great story of remix culture at its finest, too. The Star Wars crawl type tells the backstory before the film starts. And achieving this crawl effect in the 1970s was not nearly as easy as it would be today. The sequence was shot using a physical model of type laid out on the floor. So a big printed piece of type on the floor that was two feet by six feet in size. The camera literally moved along the printed type to create the effect. And it was time consuming to get a smooth scroll. Although the typography for the first six Star Wars films were set in-universe, ultra-condensed, the seventh film, The Force Awakens, is set in a condensed version of News Gothic. Oops. It's now time to move into breaking down why kinetic typography can work so well. But what is kinetic typography? Well, Kinetic typography builds motion into text and adds additional sensory inputs, such as sound, to draw in and capture the attention of an audience. Kinetic typography in films can help further the narrative and add layers of additional meaning. There is a really excellent video on YouTube called Pop Culture Typography, created by a guy named Isaac Moores. He has created a 3-minute and 24-second masterpiece that showcases some of the most famous examples of typography in pop culture and in movies. It exemplifies what can be created in the world of kinetic typography, and I encourage you to go check it out now at talkpaperscissors.info in the episode's show notes. Let's break down type in motion, otherwise known as kinetic type, into its basic variables, that are outlined in Eileen's book, Type Rules, The Designer's Guide to Professional Typography. Number one, typeface selection. So considerations in regards to the texture and the weight and the style of a typeface, that all plays into telling a story. But resolution and frame rate are also key factors when selecting type for a kinetic project. So from this perspective, legibility could be one of the most important factors when it comes to kinetic typography because the viewer will only have a split second to read and recognize the words before those words move someplace else or completely off the screen altogether. That is, of course, unless they take the time to pause and rewind, but they usually won't have the luxury of being able to just go back and reread a word or a line of text that they miss. Number two is movement. This variable is the key to what makes kinetic typography kinetic typography. By playing with scale, direction, repetition, velocity, all of these things help direct the type around the screen, and a story is told. Unlike many static ways typography is used in everyday life, to inform or to persuade, for example, 
a key purpose of kinetic typography is simply to entertain. Telling a story through text and the movement of that text has to grab the attention of the viewer quickly and keep them engaged. Keeping your audience at the forefront of your design decisions will likely mean that your kinetic typography piece will not be very long. It can be really tiring and really taxing to follow text darting around the screen for any length of time. But that said, it can also be an incredibly effective way to capture the attention of an audience in the short term. Number three, color. There are many technical considerations when it comes to color for kinetic typography projects. When color is printed on a printed project, the brand owner has a significant amount of control as to the final look of the color in print. This then translates to each viewer seeing the printed color in much the same way as one another, except in instances of visual impairment and color blindness, of course. This is not the same for viewing color on screen. Whether it be a computer screen or a phone screen or a TV or a, a giant movie screen, color can and will look very different depending on the way in which that color is calibrated on each device. So if you're a control freak, you'll need to set those ways aside when applying color to type that will be viewed on screen. It's very difficult to control what color your audience will see with any sort of accuracy. So pleasing color, for example, a blue sky that we recognize as looking like a blue sky or green grass that looks healthy and green is really what you should be aiming for versus super accurate color. A very important part of choosing color for a kinetic type project is to consider color contrast. Black text on a white background will always be the most readable and have the highest contrast. But remember that the same can't be said for white text on a black background because it's more taxing on our eyes to read reverse type. But it's not to say that you can't incorporate reverse type into your design, but having viewers read reverse type, especially if it's darting around the page, you can lose their attention fairly quickly. Whatever colors you choose, think about creating excellent contrast between the type and the background. Lastly, number four, sound. In my opinion, this is one of the most exciting ways to make type come to life. Overlaying music to set the scene, whether it be suspenseful and building intrigue to a climactic moment, or just a happy tune that reinforces a happy message, Sound can go a heck of a long way to helping engage an audience. Voice, spoken word, and any other sound effects can also help add emotion and tell a story in ways that type alone, or for that matter, graphics alone, can't do as effectively. So ultimately, when bringing together the powerhouse forces that are the appropriate font selection, strategic movement, smart color choices, and layering in sound, you've got a winning formula and a world of possibilities of what can be created with kinetic type. This is especially true when great actors are paired with great typefaces on screen. Good typecasting, everyone. Today's office quote, 
comes from one of my all-time favorite episodes. It's season seven, episode 16, and in this episode, we are reintroduced to Golden Face, Samuel L. Chang, Billy the Bartender, Jasmine Windsong, President Jackson, Cherokee Jack, and of course, Michael Skarn. <clears throat> Michael. After three years of writing, one year of shooting, four years of reshooting, and two years of editing, I have finally completed my movie, Threat Level Midnight. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I love it. If you enjoy The Office, but for some reason you have not seen this episode, again, it's season seven, episode 16, uh, please go watch it right now. That is priority one. And there you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors. (laughs) 